All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are here with co-hosts Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? All right, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad today. It's a Tuesday. It's a nice day outside here in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and we're here to talk some hockey today. Let's do it. What are we going to talk about today? So we got a couple of topics today, Dad. So the first thing that we're going to do is obviously we got to recap the Bruins the last three games, and then we're going to be talking about um, goaltender trouble in Pittsburgh, as well as we're going to look ahead already going to look at next offseason for the Bruins salary cap, which isn't that far away anyways to viewers that might say, well, well, you guys are looking way too ahead. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Bruins retiring uh, Hall of Famer Willie O'Ree's number 22 in the Raptors, as well as we've got um, some old school hockey topics, including uh, Bears playing on ice and back in the Soviet Union. I'll leave it at that because that sounds crazy enough. And then we are going to finally talk about our first special guest that we will have on our show that actually, if you listen to previous episodes, this guest is a different guest, but it is still a hockey player. We'll get into more info on that later, Dad. So before we get into stats or anything like that, Dad, as a, as a Bruins fan and as primarily a Bruins-focused kind of podcast, let's just get your honest opinion on the Bruins the last three games. All right, my honest opinion, uh, the Bruins still have the same problems that they had in the playoffs. Nothing has changed. Um, the Bruins really, remember when I said we're going to wait and not pass judgment until the season starts, and I was giving uh, Sweeney the uh, benefit of the doubt? Well, that's now gone. So it's either Sweeney and Neely are in the hot seat, or they're doing the bidding of, Jacobs, one one or the other. It, it's th- th- there's nothing that was done here that has made the Bruins better at all and solved problems that we had in the playoffs. Watching these last few games is like watching the Bruins in the playoffs when they lost to Tampa. Yeah, it hasn't been great so far, but it is something to pay attention to. Is that you had short camps before, um, and you have camps where people can be taken out at any given time for coronavirus reasons as well as uh, no preseason games. So it's almost like these are your preseason games, except it's not. It all counts as a shortened season. I so think, it's, it's I think, like you had to be ready. I think there are some positives. I think pretty much the D is is doing well. I am impressed with Kevin Miller and his, him coming back. Uh, he's in there. He's, he's banging. He's making things happen in there. Really impressed with McAvoy. Um, I think so far he had something like a hundred shifts. He's the number one player he's playing. I, I forget what the stat is, but it's 23, 26 minutes a game and over a hundred shifts. So he is just doing what he's being paid to do. You know, they paid him the bigger money this year. And I think he's earning it. I think, like I said, Kevin Miller, um, I like Federer, but uh, pretty much, you know, except for, you know, Marchant and Bergeron, everybody's struggling. I mean, where is DeBrusque? Where is Coyle? You know, I mean, you got Nick Ritchie scoring a goal for crying out loud. Yeah, I think Nick Ritchie's honestly been one of the pest forwards so far. He's been a great net front presence. He's gotten some high quality opportunities before he scored his goal the other game. And, uh, you know, I think that just about every fan, honestly, including myself, had written Ritchie off after last year. And a lot of people will say rightfully so, but 
Cassidy did say in an interview that, you know, as management and as a coach, we've talked to Richie and we put last year behind us. This is a new time to see if he fits in with the team. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing well. If he can provide that physical, that nature as well to his game and, and do that, he could be a good third liner because other than that, you're going to do replace him with Bjork. Bjork is somebody I'm well, not I, impressed with. He no, doesn't, no. Doesn't, and he's fast. You know, that's the, about it. the difference between Bjork and, and Marchand, they're, they're roughly the same size, right? Give or take. You go into the corners and Marchand eight out of 10 times is going to come up with the puck. He's just gifted. He knows what to do. He's he's just a genius when it comes to coming out with a puck, and he's 5'8". And he's when, strong. When Bjork goes into the boards, it's like a 1 out of 10 chance that he's going to either, A, be standing up or have the puck. And it's clearly and, – and I just don't understand what Cassidy has a hard-on for this guy. Um, it's time to, you know, move on, I think. And, and I'm not a Bjork fan. But uh, – you know, it, you know, Corrali's not stepping up right now. Wagner's not stepping up. Um, you've got these guys that, you know, what do we call them? The taxi squad now, the the reserve players. Right. That's your Seneshin. That's your cool man. Yeah, well, now we're starting to bring up, you know, some of those guys. And it's, and it's the third game of the season. Right. And well, don't forget, Kasha is injured. It's true. Well. He didn't play true. last game. Had to call up some more reinforcements. But I do think – Although there are a lot of Bruins fans are upset. I mean, we did play New Jersey, who's notoriously, you know, last couple of years been a bad team, been, you know, low in the league and losing to the Islanders. Although the Islanders are one of the best defensive teams in the league. We always beat up the Islanders pretty good. So it's a bit worrisome that we can't get that offense going. And in fact, an unfortunate fun fact for you is that we are the only team in the NHL currently without a five on five goal. You can say it's the beginning of the season. You can say you have faith in the Bruins. But at this time, you're heading into game four, Dad. There's some trouble there for not scoring. And, uh, you know, I think along with Rich, I think Frederick has been one of the best guys. Obviously, you're not looking for him to score goals every night. But there's other ways to provide for your team. And I think that he's been great as far as chipping in those pucks, getting down in there, a fourth-line guy. I mean, he's going to be the guy to spark up Corral and Wagner. Now that you brought up Wagner, Dad, been a bit disappointed in him he's not that fourth line Bruins banger that he was when he was first the mayor of Weymouth here and uh here in Boston anymore and you know he's he's kind of slowed down his game I don't know if he's gotten comfortable or if he doesn't have that energy for that fourth line position that he he did before but Frederick's the only guys going up and of course Marshall and Bergeron but those guys are always perfect we have the best goaltending I think in the league and I know fans are still upset about Rask uh, but we've got the best goaltenders. And, I mean, they're both under, what, under two goals against right now, their average? Both of them. No, they're fantastic. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be winning games when we have good defense the way we have. Um, you know, um, you know that your stepmother, my, my wife, you know, loves Chara and, you know, pains her to see him in a Capitals jersey, but, um, you know, might be the right choice. Our D is okay right now. We and, and and there's some depth. I mean, Clifton's kind of hanging in the winds, right? Yeah. Where's John Moore? Hanging in the winds. Except we want him to hang in the winds. That's no offense to Moore. But no, we want Moore, we want him to move on. Two point five million a year to sit in the winds. Seven five. Ugh. I mean, adding adding that quarter million. But here's the thing too. We've all been worried about the defense, right? With Krug and Charlie. I think, like you said, the defense has been 
honestly very good. So far, so good. I think it's been great. I think it's just been our offense that's been kind of – we can't get it going. But I did want to talk about this, though. You are talking about Kevin Miller. I think that he's been playing well. He's a little slow out there, but, I mean, he hasn't skated that much in the past years, hasn't played a single game. But he did answer the bell, Dad, after game one against New Jersey with Miles Wood running. Well, it should have, it should have happened right then and there. You don't and, – and I – New Jersey was all over running Rask and, uh, and then running uh, um, Halak, I think, the next game. Yeah, yeah well and, – and, and I think the refs are going to have to step it up and call a lot more goalie interference – if they get into that blue paint, because these goalies, I mean, this, these pucks are just coming too fast and too often they can't worry about, you know, someone that's going to run into them and so forth. There's, they're so zoned in on that puck and, you know, goalies are going to start getting hurt and it is a cycle. Uh, you know, this happened before when guys were starting to run goalies or really crash the net and, you know, goalies were starting to get hurt. Then you start having some brawls, then the NHL, changes because they want a family friendly game and then all of a sudden anybody that sets foot into the blue paint they're going to blow the whistle i mean th there was a time where that happened a lot and maybe that was the message from cassidy was don't get a stupid penalty let them get the goaltender interference which it did miles would got one the first game i'm pretty sure and we got a goal i think i think you're going to add to frustration because right now the bruins are frustrated I mean, if it wasn't for the first line, I mean, you don't have many goals, right? Nick Ritchie had one. That's about, you know, I mean, I, I don't have the scoring sheet in front of me, but it's all still first line. It's the same problems we had in the playoffs. Right. Now, now um, I think there's a lot of frustration, and I think if Cassidy clamps down on these players and not let them kind of retaliate, if you will, and stand up and have some pride, uh, I think that it's going to get even worse. So hopefully the Bruins will just, you know, you, you can't be muscled. There's nothing worse for a hockey team than, than being, you know, just creamed out there by everybody. And I think that Cassidy's taking notice of that a little bit, and you have to because who are your guys above Cassidy? You have Cam Neal and you have Don Sweeney, the guys who have played through those times. And uh, I think that he definitely – talk to Miller maybe after the game or something or a conversation was told and even Miles Wood on his interview after that first period a uh, lady had asked him if uh, he knew it was going to happen yeah, and he said Miller asked to get the draw. Of course he did. Went. Of course he did. So fun fact about um, Wood. Miles Wood. Yes. Miles Wood. So a um, good friend of mine who's, who lives in uh, Beverly, Massachusetts on the North Shore of Boston. And uh, anyway, he, he manages some storage units one up in Gloucester and another one, I forget where, somewhere in the North Shore. Anyway, Miles Wood, I guess, is from the North Shore. At least that's, if I'm getting the player right, I hope I am, or this yep, is all this for is him. Yeah, yeah, I think he went to Boston College, too. So he came in there to uh, my friend Dan and wanted to rent a unit for the season. This is last year. And, you know, said, who are you and so forth? And, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm an NHL hockey player. You know, basically my friend berated him because he didn't know hockey and he was like, didn't believe that he was like an NHL or maybe right. he was like, yeah, bullshit. You're not. An right. Player. Exactly. And like you know, my friends, I'll have to call my friend Jim. And if he doesn't know who you are, then you're a nobody and blah, 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 blah. And basically berated this poor kid. And, the, and, and the kid, and the kid so, was just like, just give me the, you know, the storage unit, you know, he was storing his car or something. And my friend Dan's like, oh, his car is a piece of shit anyway, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, He's a legit NHL. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, 
Poor, poor Miles Wood. And it's funny because Miles Wood isn't a small guy, you know, it's not like you look at him and think, oh, maybe he's not a professional athlete. I mean, he's 6'2", 210, you know, he's a yeah. big guy. But if anybody knew your friend Dan, they would get a good laugh at that story because. Yeah, he know, just don't care. Yeah, he had no idea. Yeah, and he's like, oh, who, who are right. you? Right. Yeah, so. He only cares about the uh, Patriots and the Celtics. Right. And I always, every time I see Miles Wood play, I, I remember that story now. And that was recent. That was just a few it's years like ago. like last year or something. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was recent. Yeah, so. it's pretty funny. Well, let's move on from the Bruins for now. I, we're, we're a little upset about it, but we're going to get it back this week, which, by the way, they do play Thursday, Thursday night. Right. And maybe they'll have a hot streak, but I don't think the Bruins are looking good at all. They need pasta back. That's for sure. They, they need a lot more than that. They need to solve problems that they had in the playoffs. You know how frustrated we were in the playoffs. Well, one line is all the production, it, but at least our defense, at least right now, is is playing well, and the goaltending is outstanding. That's the only thing from keeping this from yep. being out of control. Yep, absolutely. Well, Dad, let's move on. So I want to talk about this specific situation, and this leads into, I think, a bigger discussion I want to have with you with the youth versus the veterans and how these GMs are throwing this blind faith into rookies that have had one good season. So Tristan Jari, a goalie for Pittsburgh, if you remember, he was the backup goalie last year. Matt Murray was their main goalie. Um, and Tristan Jari had a phenomenal uh, season. He ended up starting to start over Murray and um, it came down to the off season and they had to decide who to sign. They went with youth. They went with Jari who had one Good season. I'm almost certain he had just one season. Now I think they're starting to regret it. Matt Murray signed with Ottawa. Tristan Jari was pulled out of the second game 14 minutes in. Jari has led up two goals in 13 minutes, and so far the season has only played 71 minutes and has a 727 save percentage. He's led in nine goals on 33 shots so far. So he's letting in an average 7.57 goals a game. And Matt Murray is over 900% save percentage. And it was the worst mistake yeah. for Pittsburgh. Well, first, I mean, and Murray's great, but I I, I question when they gave up uh, Fleury to uh, to the draft to mm-hmm. go to Los Angeles. I mean, not Los Angeles, Las Vegas. I thought they were nuts for not protecting him. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe they see something in Jari, uh, um, but um, – you know, it, it, it's almost like the Bennington effect, right, from St. Louis. Right. I mean, the kid was actually going to come here to Tulsa, and he refused right. to come here. So he didn't even make it in the AHL. And he went from that exposure to four months later winning the Stanley Cup. But how did he do last year? He was okay, but he wasn't the star. Right. I don't have the this, this sheets in front of me. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, goalies get hot and goalies can get cold. And, you know, you want consistency out of your goaltenders. You have to have it. And if they're all over the map, I mean, that's driving, drives a coach nuts and the teammates. Cause they, then they, then they're afraid to, you know, let you stand up tall. So do you think that although it's a business and in sports and including hockey, of course, you want to go with talent, people who are going to actually produce, do you think that there's no more, I want to be careful when I say this, but respect for the veterans anymore, that as long as there's this next young kid that can beat you out. I mean, we can look at so many examples, Chara, Bacchus. I mean, they weren't as good anymore, but just, I'm just naming Bruins. There's other guys in the league that are now. I mean, you know, I mean, look at Corey Hart in Philadelphia. I mean, you know, kid came in when he was like 18, 19. Yep. 
number one goalie for a few years. Carter Hart, yeah. he's, a, he's a great goalie. Yeah. Great goalie. So in that case, going with the youth over who who is uh, the lead? Elliot, I think. Yep. I mean that clear case there. You know, you keep the vet as the backup, but you let the young kid play if he's hot. But again, you know, you got goaltending coaches that are working with you know these these guys, and and I just think uh, goalies today are just like you look at the '90s, and and I'm talking off the top of my head, and I shouldn't do that. I should, I guess research a little bit more but it seemed like there was a you know everybody was scoring goals they were high scoring games in the 90s quite a bit and that's changed defenses you know changed systems goaltending has changed you don't have the uh, goalies like the old Dominic Hasek who's a great goaltender you know he used to flop around but it worked for him now you don't everybody's got the butterfly style you get this new you know eye coordination that Hopi's kind of made popular and you see that you know, you go to any of these minor league games and you see the same thing. They're all trying to do the same technique because it works right now. So these goaltenders are all fantastic. Um, but yeah, the vets, you know, they tend to, uh, um, you know, they've been there. They've known that. Uh, they've, they, they know in the clutch what to do. And you just can't, you know, expect a 19-year-old kid to do something like that. You know, there's just not enough experience. But they can get hot. But I, I don't know. We'll see consistently. But they, letting Murray go is is a mistake. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think that you still need veterans. I think that experience plays heavily into uh, uh, winning a cup. I mean, what name one team recently or ever really that's won a cup that are full of you know kids that are under twenty two? Well, it doesn't happen. And it's tough. I think most coaches don't want three goalies in a rotation. So you want to keep just the two goalies and you can develop the other ones in the, in the, in the minor leagues. Um, and it's, it's hard because you're kind of stuck with two goalies instead of, you know, having more, you can always bring them up, but that means you got to bring one down. I mean, can you imagine Boston? I mean, you're going to sit Rask or Halak if they're playing bad and bring up, you know, Ladar and send one of them. I mean, they would have to clear waiver. It's just not happening. Right. No, absolutely. But it'll be interesting to see how Jari does the rest of the season, how all these other young kids do over the veterans. But it'll be a, it'll be interesting to keep your eye out on that and see a, who who won that decision, letting Murray go or keeping Jari. Well, it, you know, when we bring up goalies, I don't know if you've listened to the Don Cherry podcast for this week. I, uh, I, I listened to it, I think, yesterday. And he was talking about, like, in warm-ups, about in warm-ups – no puck should ever hit the glass that warmups. And even in youth hockey, you always taught this warmups is for the goalie. It's not for the shooter to, you know, refine their shot or get, you know, it's really just hit pucks on the goalie and get them warmed up. And he would tell a story, of the old Boston Bruins, where if, you know, you fired them at, at, uh, at Jerry Cheever's, and if it went by his head and hit the glass, he would, he'd, he'd come at you with a stick in practice. He didn't tolerate that. It's you keep them low, keep them on the pads. You're there to warm up the goalie. So uh, I thought that was an interesting podcast because, I mean, that just goes back to youth hockey days of, you know, don't try and score. You just, you know, warm up the goalie, but right. don't try to score. Yeah, I can imagine and, all those youth kids trying to score all the time. And there's so many pucks now that get out of control and they're like up to their eyes and hitting the glass and it just shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And that's, I think that's true. But anyway, Absolutely. I digress. Sorry. Yes. 
Um, well, I guess just moving on from the, the goalie talk. Um, so I wanted to look ahead, Dad. So I don't want to get stuck on this too long. And listen, the reason why I'm bringing this up is not to get ahead of myself. I'm actually, I'll actually be writing an article about this for next week. But looking ahead to the Bruins cap space for next offseason, we have a lot of money that's going to be opened up. Right now we're going to have $32.7 million. The reason why I'm bringing this up, Dad, is we have a shortened season. Mm-hmm. And we're trying out this big youth movement. And the reason why is because with all this cash that's going to be in the cap, we need to figure out who's going to be a part of this team, who's fitting in the system, see if we need to go for a big free agent or a big trade. So $32.7 million will be for next season. Mm-hmm. Here are unrestricted free agents. We've got Krejci, Corrali, Lindholm, who will be gone. We've also got Miller. And then we've got, unfortunately, Rask and Halak. And then we got Campford, who... I'm sure we'll be gone as well, but our I thought, goalies. Do we gone. still have Camper? I thought they – No, we still have Camper for or sure. Or they just waived him? Yep. Yeah, he was part of the taxi squad, but he actually did opt out of this season again due to uh, his daughter, I think. Okay. Yeah, like okay. he did the playoffs. But Well, Krejci's just going to go because he's too expensive. Right. I mean, he's the most paid Bruin on the team still. Right. Bergeron, Martian. Right, right. So I don't think that uh, unless he takes a severe pay cut – and Krejci's just playing well. He last year he played well too. I thought, and the year before he led the playoffs in points. But uh, he's getting to the twilight of his career, or the beginning of the twilight of his career. Yeah. And at you know seven mil a year, I just don't see the Bruins keeping him on for a second line guy. And we got Corrali. I mean, Corrali. You know, he's not doing much. He's a premier fourth but he's liner, not, but he's not he's not expensive. What is he? One mil, something like that. Right now he's one point two five. So that's you know the Bruins could sign it. That's that's nothing. And that's if he if he commands anymore, I'd probably say no because he's a fourth line guy. You can replace those guys. There's so like many that. of those guys that you know I like to call them placeholders, and I and and I like Corelli, but he's just not he's a placeholder. You know he's just holding a place. You know, third fourth line, and that's that's it. Anybody can play that. That's at that level. Well, the two big contracts really are Rask and Halak, especially for unrestricted free agent. And that's kind of concerning. It'll be interesting to see what Rask wants to do after, but he's already said he doesn't want to play for anybody else. Chara said the same thing and decided to go play for someone else when you want him. But it'll be interesting to see if the Bruins want to keep Rask. And I think that they would be smart to do so, as long as Rask, Rask's head is still in it. So what we miss is the private conversations between the coaches and the player and maybe even the GM or the organization and the player. And, you know, there was a big question of, you know, was his heart into it in the playoffs, him leaving, even though he gave the reasons why he left, but clearly his head was not in there. And he kind of acted like if the Bruins traded him, you know, you know, then fine, he'll just retire. There's no big deal. So I, I think that that's a, that's, you know, he kind of stuck it to the management. So the management may let him go, but that means the Bruins are going to have to sign a better goalie. We can keep a lot. What is he under 3 million a year, 2 million, right. but he's old, but if he still could play, he could play he's still a good backup. Right. Um, so I, I think they could keep Halak if he's healthy and he plays the way that he does uh, but Rask, I'm sure Rask is going to want a longer contract. Well, Halak will probably just go with another year. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. And then for our restricted free agents, Dad, we got a couple of big ones. So um, we've got uh, Carlo, 
who is due up for a big contract. And I think that they have to keep Carlin. He is up for arbitration rights, which if you don't remember what that is, that means that That's, they pretty much have the power and control well, of unless they we'll, we'll see. Get I, I, I can right. I can I can live with or live without Carlo. We also got Nick Ritchie, who also has arbitration rights coming up, and then we've got Frederick and Kasha, who are the next big. I guys. am not a fan of Kasha only because I just don't. He's just not producing the way the Bruins want him to, and for what he's being paid, he's also pretty frail. He gets injured. A lot. I mean, he makes some good plays, but making some good or smart plays, but not producing points doesn't do us any good. I mean, it's good to say, oh, man, he's, you know, but after a while, when you're getting paid $2.5 million, you're going to start putting the puck in the net more. Yeah, and I hope that Frederick plays well, and we can work out a deal. Yeah, with him. he's He'll a young cheap. He's a young guy. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think they could keep him. So. Well, just to quickly go over that. Also, one more thing is the David Backus dead money, which we're paying 1.5 million this year, will be off the books. We won't be paying for Savard, Backus, Seidenberg, nobody. Which we're only paying for Backus right now. But I'm just saying. No more dead money, no more contracts keeping us down, mm. no more Boleskis. And we can revisit this. I mean, it's just the yeah. beginning of the season. But so. it is. Uh, I know you like. I know you like these contracts. I'm not a huge fan of this yeah, business side of it. It's, but. it's important to keep up with because right, the, the right. team's going to change a lot next season. Well, Dad, moving on before we get to the fun topics, one more thing as far as news, just to mention is. Um, and we don't have to go into too much detail because it's already been out for almost about a week and people know about this. It's been all over the news, especially, but the Bruins retire Willie O'Ree's number 22. Right. Right. Um, which forces Craig Smith now to change his number. Poor guy picked his new number, number 22. And then I guess the Bruins later decided, shit, let's retire Willie O'Ree's number. And he's now number 12. Yeah. Which is too bad because I wish they would retire 12 and give it to Wayne Cashman, but. That's another side story. You know, I, I, I mean, Cashman, I think, deserves it for the Bruins. And I heard uh, Brad Park wore number 22. He so did. People he did. were saying they'd rather have Brad Park. Well, you know, the thing is, is although, you know, Willie O'Reilly. He so so, yeah, so give, it, give us the stats, because I think what the fans are, I think people are making too much of a political thing about it because the guy's African-American. Um, and, you know, they're retiring his number not for his play right but for how he's represented the game of hockey and been an ambassador right and people need to understand that because listen to this this is his simple stats 1957 1958 he played just two games zero points and then played one full season and from 1960 1961 he had four goals and 10 assists played 43 games that season and that was it he became a legend in the whl he played there for 12 years after and He's averaging 60 points, but what were you about to say about him being an ambassador and everything? Well, I mean, everybody knows, you know, that he's gone on to really be a great ambassador, especially with youth programs in hockey and trying to get more, um, you know, children of color to be into this game. And, you know, that's, that's sort of the old stereotype of hockey of, you know, I mean, it is because it's a cold weather climate very European, Northern European, uh, Canada, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Caucasians that play this sport, but within the Caucasians, you know, you, you've got all different nationalities and, and there wasn't many, you know, um, black players and, but he was one of the, the first. And like you said, in the late fifties 
And that's a big deal. And of course, now we might look at it and there's more African uh, Americans, or should we say blacks, because they're, you know, the Canadians mostly, um, that are playing this game. And that's great. But he was a, has been a great ambassador. Anybody that's ever talked to him, um, you know, he is the nicest guy in the world and, you know, always kept it real, to use a little bit of slang from your generation. And, uh, you know, does he deserve to have his number retired? I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it. Brad Park, Brad Park was great for the Boston Bruins, but he was great for the New York Rangers. And, um, you know, I personally don't see them retiring Park's number over O'Ree's number just because Park, you know, I forget how many seasons he had with Boston, but it wasn't that long. And I know that maybe with the timing, some fans may think that it's more of a political stance, but I don't think, I think in the end, I think that it was a right decision. I really do. I the, think that the, this is the, a big the guy point. was elected in the Hall of Fame, you know, a yeah. little while ago. 2018. And, you know, people could say that's for, but, you know, for political, but it's not. It's, you know, it, it, they make it political because it is race driven. Right. But that's what it, you know, in the 50s, you know, he was the first, you know, black guy to play hockey. That was a big yeah. deal, even though he's from Canada. Right. It was still a big deal. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, good for him. Um, I, I mean, I, I really, I, I know why they're doing it and, and, and the reasons, and, and, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I am too. I, I love that. He's, he's a great guy. I've seen a lot of interviews with him, and um, he plays a huge, huge role, like you said, in, in the youth movement and getting uh, – not only the youth involved, but, you know, youth color um, and, and getting them to play. And that's great because why not get more people to play and be interested in the sport? Who cares if they're white, black, yellow, purple? It really doesn't matter. It's getting, it's to make the sport inclusive or, yeah, inclusive. So everybody's involved and anybody can play and it doesn't matter what skin color you are. And you got to respect that. There's no reason to make that. And the, and the hurdles that this guy, you know, had to go through to, 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 to play the game at a professional level. So, you know, and if, if we don't think that, you know, they, that he was not taunted with racial slurs and everything else, you know, of course he was. Yeah, imagine the hazing he probably went through in oh, juniors so, and everything. I so mean, it's, you the know, 50s. I mean, it was rough back then. So yeah, good for him. He's a great guy. He deserves it. Um, good on the Bruins management for making that call. So, Dad, before we go on to the next fun topics I'm okay. going to talk about, I do have a trivia for you, pop quiz. I got the trivia answers right here where you can't see. This okay. It's all organic. My dad has no idea that I was going to do this. Yeah. All right. What are we doing today? So, Willie O'Ree being number 22 is the 12th player to retire their number as a Bruins. There's 11 others. I want to know the numbers that are retired and the name. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'll start crossing them off once you get them. Okay. So 11 of them. I so think go I can, ahead, Dad. I think I think I could do this. Uh, we're going to judge uh, you if you don't get this right. Just all right. So the latest one was 16, Rick Middleton. Okay. Uh, I know, thinking way back, I think number two is Eddie Shore. Yep. Uh, of course, number four is Bobby Orr. Yep. Number five is Dick Clapper. Yep. Number seven is Esposito. Number eight, Neely. Nine, Busick. 24, O'Reilly. How am I doing? 
Do you got them all so far? How many do I got left? Three left. One of them is really easy that you're not getting, which is funny. This is from. Okay, I could do this. So you got Bork 77. Okay, yep. Uh, number three, Lionel Hitchman. It is Lionel Hitchman, but it's not number three. It is actually a, the highest number to be retired. No, never mind. 77 was the second highest number to be retired. I can't remember the number. 53. Lionel Hitchman. Though. And then one more. 15 Milchman. Boom. Ding, 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 ding. How'd I do? How'd I do? Yeah, the only one that you missed was Lionel Hitchman's number. That's it. You got everything else. All right. There, you go. Good there you go. There you go. I don't know if people are going to give you a hard time for how long it took you. I don't know. Oh, Bruce come on. Like, come on. on. Yeah, but like you said, this was not pre-planned, believe it or not. You know, the only one I don't know, I'll be honest, before we go on, is Lionel Hitchman. And I've been doing these birthday articles for Black and Gold. And you, history. Go, go ahead. I mean, old, old player. So you go ahead and but check But I've done out. Dick Clapper. Yeah, I know well, Dick, but then I, I it looks like you Hitchman, good. So. Well, do him. All right. All right. So, Dad. Before we, we'll wrap up the show. We'll talk about our special guest we'll okay. next week. So the, the the final thing before we do that, I want you to talk about the Bears and the Soviet Union, and then so so yeah, you know, in in looking at some old hockey stuff, I actually came across, I guess it's from the Soviet Union. I'm going to say it was in the 80s. It looks like 80s video, black and of, white of a no, it wasn't black and white. It's color of a circus in Russia, Soviet Union, where bears are actually playing hockey on skates. They're on skate. I watched it. You showed me right, right. before. Right, just before this. And at first you're going, okay, it's a guy in a bear suit. But it, honest to God, it, 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 it's bears. It, yeah. And they're playing hockey. So um, why don't we put up the link, the YouTube link that yes. I found? We'll put it up on our Twitter account yep. since we got a Twitter. Yep. Uh, Lindroth Hockey. What is our Twitter? Uh, Hockey Lindroth. Hockey Lindroth. Okay. So we'll put that link up there and people can see for themselves. It is crazy though. Yeah. You could, you the goalies aren't too good, but the uh, the other players are pretty good. It's, it's funny because you're watching them trying to hit the puck in that one scene, that one bear, and he's missing all over the place. So it seems yeah. like it's real, but you're trying to picture round grizzly bears on, on skates. And there's these Russians that are like, you know, betting. On and and there was stuff. another video that I did see of, more in the 2000s it, it, it appeared like <clears throat> of a bear actually coming on the ice during intermission of like a khl or whatever game it was over there and you know kind of playing hockey a little bit the bear so it, it's a real thing i guess either that or we've been duped but look pretty real to me and it's the Soviet Union. I mean, they used to do crazy things in the Soviet Union. And I was about to say, I, I'm not going to put anything past the Soviets from back in the day. That's crazy. So I've got some other hockey fun facts to share today. All right, go ahead and share the facts. Though. So um, these are just going to be random facts about hockey. Could be NHL, could be anything. So uh, uh, one thing I, I think I want to talk about is, because there was a rule one time, talking about NHL rules, of back in the day when goalies couldn't fall down. They had to stand up. Right. Yep. They weren't allowed to go down. Of course, the whole face mask and everything. Well, this has to do with, so in 1979, old guys like me will remember that any rookie coming in from 1979, a la Ray Bork, um, had to wear a helmet. And it wasn't until, and basically you were grandfathered up until uh, 1997 when the NHL says everybody has to wear helmets. 
And uh, the last player to not wear a helmet in 1997 was uh, Craig McTavish. Edmonton Oiler, I think he went on to be coach or general manager. He actually played for the Bruins, but uh, and and it's a sort of a sore subject in the in the 80s. He had to leave the Bruins because he got drunk and he killed somebody, vehicular homicide. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. that was him back. In yeah. The so he had to like okay. do a lot of community service and things like that, and uh, and he went to uh, Edmonton, I believe. Wow. After that, but anyway, Craig McTavish was the last player not to wear a helmet, and uh, you know you, you had to. It was, it was rough if you didn't want to wear a helmet. It really was. Okay, so uh, talking 19, uh, here's an interesting one. 1930 in Quebec Junior, goalie Abby Goldberry, goaltender, set himself on fire in net. He had matches in the 1930s now, had matches on him in his pocket. And got hit by a puck, and the puck actually lit the matches, ignited the matches, and he got burned. And the players had to put out the fire. That's, I checked the sources on this, and that's that's the reporting. So an, a goalie was actually set on fire by a puck because he had matches in his pocket or whatever. Can you believe that? I wonder if there's a hidden rule, honestly, in the hockey book that says you can't carry matches in your uniform now. <laughs> Well, but speaking of what's kind of interesting, I didn't know this, that um, the NHL has final approval on designs for uh, goalie masks. Really? Yes. So the NHL has to approve their designs before they, they're allowed to well, get Well, clearly it. they didn't uh, review Holtby's too much recently, did they? What's Holtby's? Remember the first one he made when he went to the Canucks? It was a... Uh, to, to represent some sort of Indian tribe. And of course, everybody on Twitter slandered I, I his remember. name. I don't remember. It was recent. I mean, it was like back in December and he had to change his entire design and apologize because people were like, oh, really? You know, like the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. Thing, the whole All right. Indians. Well, yeah. But he was just trying to do it to represent it. But well, the NHL had to approve it according to the NHL rule. I looked up the rule book and they do have final approval on that. Um, so let's see. Another interesting fact. So in British Columbia, so that's out there on the western part of Canada, doctors are banned from talking hockey during surgeries. They get too distracted. They are banned. They are banned from talking hockey during surgery. I didn't know that British Columbia. Talking during surgery. Oh sure. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, surgery is a long time and Doctors, you know, talk back and forth if you got a couple doctors working and so forth like that, but they're not allowed to discuss hockey. Okay. There's a reason why that is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, yeah. I'm worried of the story behind that. So this is an interesting one. 2010 Olympics. I did not know this until I came across this on the internet. The Slovakian women's team beat Bulgaria in a game 82 to zero. Wait, you mean hockey, hockey. Olympics, eighty-two to zero? Yeah, in a two thousand ten. I, I gotta <laughs> never heard I of gotta this look before. up a video to see it's eighty-two to nothing. And then of course I think they they advanced to like a medal round or the next round or whatever it was, and they lost to like Team Canada like eighteen to zero. Wow! But they they beat you know Bulgaria. I mean, what do you, did they have bears in that? I mean, what's uh, you know? 
I probably would have quit playing hockey after that. So um, I'll bring up some of these interesting facts, but I thought those were kind of cool, interesting hockey facts yeah. to discuss today. There's a, there's a lot more, but uh, that uh, is what I got here today. Well, Dad, if you don't mind, before we wrap up the show today, so exciting time for the Lindrive Hockey Podcast here, actually. I know that the past few episodes we've talked about we're going to have this player. We're going to have this guest. Yeah, well, we can we can announce we got, who it is. Well, we got a, a different a, guest. Oh, that's right. Technically a different one, but we did get one, Dad. We've, you're the one that set it up, so. Yeah, so it's confirmed. Uh, we'll do this next week. Uh, we're going to have um, minor league goalie uh, retired Ian Kesserich, who last played for the Tulsa Oilers. And there's a great backstory uh, of this where he – Two years ago, or three years ago, I guess, uh, he was called up as an as an e-bug, an emergency goalie. He lives here in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and he did play in the uh, CHL and ECHL, uh, and he retired like in 2013, I believe, and we needed an e-bug, I guess, and he came up and sat on the bench, practiced a little bit with the team, kind of came out of retirement, not expecting to play, and he ended up playing. So it's one of those e-bug stories. And then he made a great comeback the following year, and we're going to uh, talk to him next week, and we're going to discuss uh, many different facets of uh, ECHL life, a little bit about what does goaltending, goal, goaltending coach uh, do at that level at the AHL and ECHL. I don't know if he played an AHL game. Uh, I think he was he was definitely loaned and did sat in as a backup to some AHL, but I'm not sure if he actually has any minutes at the AHL level. But you know, we want to discuss a little bit about the the road life of of a pro hockey player that's not in the NHL, and of course discuss his comeback because you know he's getting to be for goaltender uh, uh, an older guy. And I don't think he's playing now. He's not playing for Tulsa. Uh, but so I think he's he's re-retired, so to speak. But to hear his comeback of, you know, he came back the following year and helped lead uh, the Oilers to uh, the conference finals. I was there for that. I remember that. Now. Yeah. And he had like that season, he played like, I don't know, 20 games and he had like a 2.17 goals against. So the real deal. So um, we contacted him and, and he's going to come on and be confirmed. He's a great guy, great speaker. So it'll be real good. And, and that's just one of our, our guests. We still have some other guests we're working on, but this one's definitely confirmed for next week. So I don't know how much of a news we're going to discuss, but we're definitely going to, uh, we'll figure it out. And we'll definitely have a great interview here of, of uh, talking about, you know, life as a pro, but not at the NHL level. Yeah. And we'll see how uh, our next episode will be structured, but the big focal point will be our interview with Kessrich. Yeah, um, and we don't know how we're going to do it. I mean, we'll do it with him, and I don't know if we're going to edit into our news before, after, whatever like that. Right. And we may have to split it in two. You know, I, you know, he's confirmed for 30 minutes, but if it goes well and he's having a good time and we have more topics to discuss with him, it could go an hour, so we may have to do a part two the next week so we'll just have to see how it goes yeah absolutely so we appreciate everybody once again checking in this week listening to our podcast episode um episode 12 is a wrap 
Um, you're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindrow. Yeah, go to uh, Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts that we're on. Uh, give us some five star and, uh, you know, that'll help us out. Give us some uh, more credibility. We'll get some, some bigger guests on there. And, uh, oh, not that we would ever have this guest, but uh, guess who uh, sent me a letter this week? Who? John Tortorella. Oh, that's right. My my pen pal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So should you, should you say that story for another time or should you? No, I mean, there's not much to the story. I mean, uh, from the earlier podcast, you know, I've, I've been writing to uh, Torts for a long time now. How long has it been, though? I was wondering. Since, since, his, since his tol- uh, Tampa days after the cup. So you've really been writing letters to this guy. Yeah, we yeah we shared just a little bit of letter uh, at at least once a season, if not two, beginning and end of the season. And uh, I didn't hear from him uh, a, for a little while because I think I wrote to him at the end of the season, just checking in on him and so forth like that. And it's nothing big. I don't have any news stories or anything. It's just a friendly. Well, you've seen the letters. It's just right. a friendly banter, and he's you know he's actually a nice guy and. And, you know, I'm not suggesting people write to him because, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't even be saying that he actually responds to letters, but he does that. And of course he has his own problems with, uh, was it Dubois? How do you say his name? Dubois. Yeah. He's got problems with Dubois up there and he's taken a little bit of heat for coming out on a podcast, an animal rescue podcast that talks animal rescues and hockey really yeah and he went on there it's somebody that he knows maybe it's another pen pal but anyway uh so what happened so he just came out and you know basically said you know that Dubois wants to leave and I guess they didn't want to make it that public and uh you know Torts doesn't know why he wants to leave and uh feels that the kid should get up front about it and it's strange that he hasn't talked to his coach about it just a general manager demanding a trade but it is a little odd. He's 22 and demanding a trade, you know, so there's definitely, he doesn't want to play for Columbus and, but Tortorella is known to be hard, but he's also known to be fair. So, you know, I mean, you know, he had this problem way back when in Tampa with Le Cavier. I was about to say, didn't him and Le Cavier have problems? Yeah. Back and in they, games? and they resolved it. And he helped, I think, in my opinion, Le Cavier become a, a world-class player because of it. So who knows, but Dubois, and he scored a goal the other, you know, the other night, good goal. But if he wants to trade, you know, it never serves the team that is being demanded to be traded from. It never helps that team when a player demands to be traded. You always end up getting the shit under the stick. And the reason why Tortorella is under a lot of hot water for coming out and being the one to break the news about Dubois and saying all this and all that is that – leads his trade value so much and that really hurts and Tortorella did that on purpose because he's he's pissed off at the kid I mean they've been developing him yeah you got you got to talk to your coach and uh, apparently according if towards to be believed you know what he said publicly that he hasn't really talked to the kid yet about it maybe he has now but he but anyway it's kind of news to to him I guess but yeah anyway so you know Tortorella is just kind of a hey how you doing you know, wish you, you know, wish you well, you know, the pandemic, blah, 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 blah. But it's kind of cool to have a, a, a neat little pen pal like that. Who knows? Maybe someday we'll get him on this podcast. That's true. 
And maybe he won't be a coach. Well, you know, your, your stepmother's, you know, giving me some shit about it. She's like, you'll never get him on there. It's like, yeah, maybe not. But you know what? If we do. Hey, if, if he's retired and he doesn't have to watch his mouth and get fined like he always does, I'm sure he wouldn't mind coming on here finally. Yeah. So, I mean, we could go on and on. Uh, you know, uh, there's uh, another story about an agent complaining. I forget who it was that uh, his player, and I forget who the player is. Oh, I wish I'd known. Um, they're roughing them up. There's too much cross-checking in front of the in front of the net. When was this? Yeah, it's kind of. I I'll I'll have to remember. I remember reading and hearing about it. Yeah, we'll have to discuss that. And it's kind of like now the player's not complaining, but his agent's complaining and whining, saying that they got to protect the, you know, the stars of the game, and they're getting too. It's like, well, then don't stand in front of the net. Right. Right. I mean, what do you expect's going to happen? <laughs> and uh, then, uh, you know, so there's that, there's that in the news. So, you know, there's a lot. And can I just say, and I don't want to get into the whole NBC sports network thing. I just want Pierre Maguire to go away. I just want, yeah, and uh, you've seen it. I wrote an email last night. I was so pissed. I'm watching a game. All I hear is Pierre, game this time. All I, all I hear is Pierre Maguire. Just, he just, you know, what are they going to do? Color commentator now? Whatever it is, yeah. Color commentator. It's, they have no problem firing NHL commentators. Why don't they just get rid of them? Guy knows hockey, but he's annoying. And he talks way too much. By the way, you know, people say we talk too much, but it's a podcast. Right. But I think the NHL, all the commentators now, they're talking way too much during the game. Even... Even uh, I think it's the producer saying we can't have awkward silence, so that you got to constantly talk. And come on, I'm even getting annoyed with Jack Edwards, and he's the actual you know play-by-play guy. But nobody likes the announcers in hockey anyway. It's a lot of them are biased. But the color analysis, Pierre Maguire, well, we're not fans of him. Let's just say that. I've never been a fan. Now, the guy knows hockey. I'll give him that. I'm sure if I sat down and we had lunch together, I'm sure I'd end up liking the guy. But he just, he's annoying. He's like, you know, he's like that, that geeky guy that, that skews all the tests. You know, <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't get a curve on a test because he scored 100. Right, yeah, Pierre was And he just guy. wants, you know, he just wants to keep talking and talking and talking. Yeah. It's like just, you know. You get it. You know hockey really well, man. It's great. I mean, he knows hockey, but I, I just find him annoying. Anyway, yeah. We could talk forever, so we should wrap up this podcast. So if you ended up getting to the end of the episode past our goodbyes, you'll learn that my father's pen pals with John Tortorella over the years. Yeah. We're not Pierre Maguire fans. We're so not Pierre we hope Maguire that you fans. enjoy our bonus content on the Windjock Hockey Podcast. Yeah, listen as bonus content. All right. Y'all have a great night. Thank you for tuning in. Goodbye.